if you have, you're lucky the first time, mm -hmm. you have to learn to lose. You have to lose, you learn to accept that other people after you will also be very successful, or maybe you are not so successful. Welcome to the Lush Life Podcast. I'm your drinking companion, Susan Schwartz, and I bring you the how-to guide for living life one cocktail at a time. Thanks to my mother's love of martinis, the first words I spoke were shaken, not stirred, and I've been obsessed by cocktails ever since. Together, we'll learn from bartenders, brand ambassadors, distillers, and others why certain drinks are popular in certain cultures, how to make the perfect old-fashioned, when to shake and when to stir, and so much more. Hear that sound? It's time to cozy up to the bar and let the fun begin. Our next guest spent her early years in the woods foraging for tasty treats leaving her mother in constant fear that she might nibble on a poisonous mushroom. Happily, we can report that Siggy is alive and well, and using those same herbs to build her cocktails. Meeting her at Gelbus House, Siggy revealed how she ended up as chef de bar in the oldest cocktail bar in Nuremberg. Actually, I grew up at Lake Constance, but I was born in England. No! Not sure. <laughs> Um, and I was brought up in a, yes, in a typical conservative English way, but uh, also had the influences of a, a rural um, life out in the country, bring upbringing up um, in a small village with a lot of herbs around me. Was this Lake Constance or England? Lake, Lake Constance. Mm. I only had two years in England. So you were really when, little. Yes, I was really small when we came to Germany. But um, I was, uh, so my, my mum has a, had a, has a great influence in my life, my upbringing, because we only spoke English at home. Is your mother English? Yes. Oh, yes. So I have a uh, bi bilingual um, education. And uh, my, uh, the upbringing to um, the, uh, which was very influenced by the, Rural, by the rural countryside out Lake Constance. We had a lot of herbs around us, a lot of nature. And I was a child keeping on, I kept on asking, uh, can, I, can I eat this? Can I eat this plant? Is this mushroom poisonous? And I had my mother in a constant worry about me. <laughs> she was always afraid I would go ahead and poison myself with some kind of plant because she didn't know the plants or the, uh, yeah, the, the wild herbs. Um, from, the, from around because at that time in the 70s you didn't eat wild plants it was um, there were weeds nowadays uh, the, um, the handling one handles wild herbs in a quite different way and I was happy one is happy to have uh, such as some things like a, a meadowsweet or a yarrow which grows up it grows in the field around here um, so did you Using. want to go on and do things with food or drink? Actually, not really. It, in puberty, I more or less forgot these things and uh, happened to, to land in hospitality in a, in a hotel. I did my, my apprenticeship in a, in a normal hotel. And um, it was only later when I was working in service in Switzerland 
when my boss, uh, my not my, my the, the head, the chef de cuisine, gave me a, an old co- old Swiss cocktail book uh, as a present, as a farewell present to me, and I didn't really know what to do with this book because all these recipes were so so mystic, so uh, so un- I couldn't understand these recipes, these old recipes. Uh, it was only until much later uh, I understood what this book was. It was a book from, from the 1950s from Harry Shremley, and it was uh, the manual, the school manual, how to make cocktails. Do you think he saw something in you that might lead to what you do now? Maybe, yes. What were you doing in the hotel with him? I was, I was in the, uh, in, working in the service, doing the tables. Uh, um, but it was a special restaurant where you had to. You, we didn't really have a menu. Uh, we had to tell the menu. We had to sell. Would sell the people as tell what we had in the kitchen that day. So it was. It was a verbal menu we had. People didn't look into the to the menu. They listened to the waiter. That so was, you really influenced what yes, they ate. Yes, yes. I more or less told them what to eat. Mm-hmm. It was a very nice thing, and that was um, uh, end of the eighties. And it was in the 90s when I moved to Heidelberg. The restaurant closed then, and uh, the chef went on selling antiquities. But that was his <laughs> <laughs> that was his past, his favorite pastime. And I think everyone in a certain, a certain time of life wants to do that, what he or she really wants to do in their lives. Um, I moved on to Heidelberg, and that's where I uh, actually came into bar businesses. Now, were you in Heidelberg? Were you work? Did you start working at a bar, or did you think, "Oh, I'm going to go back into the restaurant"? I was, I was uh, sure I was going back into the restaurant mm. until a, a colleague um, who used to work in Manila in the Philippines and was working in the, in the banquet department of that hotel I was working in. Uh, asked me uh, if I wanted to um, learn some more about cocktails because he was moving on into a different hotel as, as a chef de bar and he needed a, someone, uh, a demi-chef de bar. Right, these, as a, like a bar as back. A, a bar back. Uh-huh. So I said, yes, why not? I'll learn something new. And it was only later I realized, yes, I've got this bar book. I'll look into it and start learning. Start learning about cocktails. And what were you do? So... When you first started working with him as a bar back, or yes. a, what, what, is, what did you call it? A, as a demi-chef. Demi-chef de bar. Yeah, it's like, it's, uh, in Germany you, have, uh, you orientate yourself uh, to the, towards after the kitchen. The, the um, names from the kitchen slip over into service, uh-huh. uh, waitresses, and in, also into the bar. So it's commis de bar, demi-chef de bar, chef de bar. The same as you've got the, uh, in the in the kitchen, you've got the, the right, commis, right. commis d'entre métier, mm-hmm. commis demi-chef entre métier, and the chef entre métier. All right, these departments in the hotel are, um, yes, organized that way. Well, when you f- first started doing that with him, did you think, oh my goodness, I, this is something that I really want to do? I mean, was, did, was it a, a, the initial... Working with it, or did it you? Came after d- it came after a certain did. while. Where or did I you think, oh, I want to do this? Yeah, at the beginning, I didn't really know what I was doing. <laughs> and it was only later I realized there's a certain, the recipes have a certain coherency, and uh, how spirits and, and sweets and sours belong together, and what the bitters. No, nobody talked about bitters in the 90s, 80s. It was forgotten. And uh, nobody really used bitters in cocktails at that time. And that's, 
uh, was something completely new to me. So uh, here I started learning what bitters were, what sweets and what uh, vermouths uh, mean in a cocktail and which, uh, how they work in a cocktail. And so you, you were obviously interested and wanted sure, to know more sure. and more and more. Sure, sure, more and more and more. And then I uh, was obviously wanted to um, be part of the uh, German Bartenders Association. So I started, uh, it's, it's like uh, the Bartenders Association is like the, the, the network of bartenders, which is also uh, belongs or belonged to the International Bartenders Association. The, each country has their own Bartenders Association. And uh, being a member of the Bartenders Association gave me the possibility to take part in, on, uh, in competitions, uh, to compete and also to compare and also learn more. Um, so you never why. looked back into the kitchen again? No. This was it, right? No, no, never looked back into... Oh, yes, I, uh, a couple of times I, I doubled into... I had to work, work, uh, work at the tables, sure. Uh, but I was always main interest was at the bar. Mm-hmm. So sure. then you became a member, and you said you started to, to do competitions. Yes. Do you remember what, you know, well, your the first... first com- the first competition I took part, and I, I also won. It was meant I, to it be? Was like, oh. I didn't really know what I was doing, but I was so lucky. <laughs> it had to be more lucky. than luck. It had to be more than luck. Yeah, sure. You have to uh, concentrate. You have to work clean. You have to work quickly. And you have to have a feeling for your ingredients. And it was Do you remember a, what you made? Yes, it was such a simple cocktail. It was just vodka, galliano, lemon juice, and, and orange juice. Four ingredients and, and a bit of a twist of lime on top. That's all. Uh, but it seemed to impress. <laughs> I don't know who was who was in the jury at that time, but as a, maybe for that time you didn't really lose use a lot of Galliano liqueur. Mm-hmm. Um, you were more into uh, more flamboyant liquors. You were more into passion fruit and strawberry at that time than into uh, simple ingredients. Maybe that it was that was it that. It, um, well, you must have gotten such a high made. off that first. You know, After you that, won. I was shaking. I was sh- no, not not shaking the drink. Right. My knees were shaking <laughs> that time. And after that, well, it was quite difficult for me afterwards because if you have, you're lucky the first time. Mm-hmm. You have to learn to lose. You have to lose. You learn to accept that other people after you will also be very successful, or maybe you are not so successful. So I had to, after that, I really had to start working on myself, realizing, because the first, the first shot was lucky. <laughs> and um, after that, I had to learn to know what I was doing, to stay at front. Mm-hmm. So I had more pressure on myself to stay in front. Not always easier than this. Yeah, I had a couple I'm of sure. failures. But after that, actually, I had a second um, great uh, start that was... The, Martini Grand Prix at that time, 1991, and um, that the German, the uh, national, yeah, it was the national finals, and then you go to the international finals. I, I got the third place, and the Martini Grand Prix is like the Bacardi legacy uh, nowadays. The Martini Grand Prix uh, was uh, also not only making a good drink, but you needed a certain amount of um, general knowledge. Mm-hmm knowledge about your ingredients, about the spirits, uh, knowledge about the bar. So it was uh, quite a, it's, it's um, a competition which asks the, what's the all-round bartender. Mm-hmm. 
So it's not only the drink. And uh, I was quite successful, third place in Germany and the second place international. Oh, fantastic. So, um, yes, that was more or less, that was the, the uh, a reassurance to me that I'm on the right way. And that's a great motivation for a young person. I was 21 at that time. Oh, so young. So, yes, pretty young at that time. So it was a, uh, always a motivation and uh, to go on, to look on and uh, compare, try out new products, try out old products. Because that was pretty early in the cocktail world, yes. considering now it's just cocktails everywhere. Yep. Um, did you feel like you were, you know, one of those who was the forefront of something new? Mm, I always try to pick up old things and give them a twist, but it wasn't the right time for it. So you always had, uh, people told me, no, you have to use new products, modern products. And uh, so I always try to make a, a combination of old twists covered up as a new, <laughs> giving it a <laughs> package so nobody really noticed it. Uh-huh. Well, obviously it worked. <laughs> yes, it did. Yeah. Yes. And so how did you, were you still at, in Heidelberg at that point? Yes. yes. And so what? Um, I stayed in Heidelberg for about um, three years before I moved on to Switzerland. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then from, how long were you in Switzerland again? Uh, I was four years. I stayed four, mm-hmm. four, four, five, no, it was five years I was in Switzerland. Always working your way up? Yes, yes. I was bars. shift a bar in a five-star hotel in the Golf Hotel in Stadt. Up on the highs, oh boy. it was great. And what do you think Lovely you learned time. from the, that experience? Uh, from the Swiss, I learned a lot because Swiss handled their, um, the food and drinks is more, is influenced by the French. And they have a, a much more qualitative handling of their ingredients and how to eat and how, how of dining all together. In Germany, you have a more, it's a pretty... Um, the standard of eat of food, the culinary standard in Germany, isn't as high as in Switzerland or in Austria. And also, the standard of a waitress is much more difficult in Germany. In Switzerland and in Austria, the waiters have a, a different standard, more professional standing, and um, you, people expect more of, of, a, wait, of a waiter uh, or barman because they have to be able to. Um, present a drink or present food in a different way, in a more professional way, which isn't expected of you so much in Germany. Mm -hmm. In Germany, the focus is on the kitchen or on the chef and less on the staff around him. So what brought you back? Um, My father brought me back. He said, girl, you have to do something now. You're heading on for 26, 28, 26. Now, um, you should uh, make an... uh, Give your, uh, you should get yourself a, uh, a grade. So, so um, do you want to do your master proofing, your master degree? I was like, all right, well, should I, shouldn't I? All right, I'll do it. No, I'm gonna, so, so, what did you so go to master's degree? I, I first, I first uh, did my hotel master to finish off my, my apprenticeship, mm-hmm. my, just to say, to give this um, profession a, a, a an ending, a, 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 a rounding up, just give it at the top. And also because then I can, I'm allowed to um, to take uh, take on apprentices with a master okay. from as well, mm-hmm. and pass on the knowledge. But always knowing that you were going to come back to a bar. 
I was in the bar, but you I are. said well, I'm, uh, as a, for a bar profession, they wanted more experience at the bar. So I did it first in my hotel meister. Um, then I had a break. I went back to Mannheim. That's where I, I met my husband. And, well, yes, a family. <laughs> and during this time in the family, I said, well, okay, I'll use this time at home and I'll do my bar meister too. So I've got two master, master uh, certificates. Uh, to give to, to, to have a, a, a different standard of knowledge. So, how did you find yourself here in Nuremberg? My husband came, comes from Nuremberg, so that's why we landed landed here in Nuremberg. And uh, well, at home, yes, I had the kids at home, and I made a funny decision. I bought a horse. This horse was going to be sold to the slaughters, and I loved this horse, and I just couldn't. I just couldn't let this horse go to be slaughtered. So I bought it. It was the horse just had a, a small um, mistake in its in its oh. foot, which could have been which no, she never had problems. Well, only once had problems with her foot again. But she wasn't uh, fit enough for school for for being a school horse. So How did you find this horse? I was taking riding lessons that, at oh. that time, and it was just supposed to be sold to the slaughter. I couldn't I couldn't handle that at all. So I bought it. And of course, my husband was shocked. I was like, what? It's expensive. No, who's going to take care of the horse? And this is the cost of the stable. And, and, and. I had a bit of trouble with him. <laughs> so I said, okay, I'm going to work. So I looked for a job. Kids were fine. They were doing fine. Grandma was there. Daddy was there. And uh, myself went uh, looking for a job. And I, stand, I started here in the Gilbert's house in Nuremberg. And that was 2000. I started here as a just as a part-time bartender quite a time ago. Did you know the reputation of this place? Well, I heard it's a pretty cool place to go. And it slowly but surely occurred, you know, I realized, oh, this place has got a lot of bottles. A lot of bottles I have to learn about because the bottles I hadn't seen before. So it was the new ignition for me to learn. <laughs> I thought, oh, a new motivation. It never let me go. Were they, were they any special uh, alcohol? The um, Unusual brands and a lot of uh, malt whiskies. We've got a huge range of malt whiskies. I know, I saw that walking around. And now, uh, in the meantime, we've got a huge range of gins and rums are getting more and more and more. Apart from that, we've got a lot of bottles. Nobody really knows what it is, what's in it. <laughs> is that of, of your own making or of something that nobody yes. drinks anymore? Both. Part of the uh, of your own um, uh, bitters, infusions, which we do make ourselves own bitters, own infusions, and uh, also forgotten drinks, forgotten liquors, such as Mampe bitter. What is that? Mampe is bitter. Well, you know Fernet. Everybody knows yeah, yeah. Fernet Branca because it's a great brand. Mampe bitter was, was big in the 50s, 60s. And, uh, yes, I'm not really drunk in southern Germany. Yeah. And so, do, did you start playing with these as well? Like making Experimenting, uh-huh. yes, yes, sure. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, from 2000 until 2003, yes, it was uh, first learning all bitters and all ingredients. And uh, when I returned after that, uh, my husband and myself had a restaurant for six years uh, on the other side of Germany before we came back and bought an old house, which we 
we renovate we are still renovating at the moment and so I was just looking uh, checking back into uh, when we check back in here again and uh, Oliver just just offered me well would you want to start working here again at that time I was currently working a season um, out of the Brombach sea starting back again after finishing a restaurant and starting up a new house new family and anything well I said yes why not but the bar business never let go of me and I was so mm. happy to start up here again so I just uh, had to do both jobs parallel simultaneously, simultaneously. Oh yes uh, the waitress in summertime and in winter time I was more in the Gilbert's house <laughs> and of course yes sometimes I helped in summertime too That's, that was no problem but uh, yeah it was a double job it was quite a tough time but a good time and so lot. did you start making new that's cocktails? When I started, and, uh, making, started doing the uh, bringing my herbs in. My concoctions like I made a sweet lavender and yarrow syrup. This is my personal favorite. Um, also making uh, infusions with uh, meadowsweet and gin, for example. Oh, I, I don't yeah. even know meadowsweet. Uh, meadowsweet, I think. I'll give you... No, no, I can give you a, 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 a smell. Well, what is it? Is it just a weed? A, it's, a, or a, it's a herb. A, a it's herb actually a... It's a medi- medicinal herb. It was um, what the Celts, the old Celts used uh, against um, headache and fever because it has uh, salicyl uh, acid. Uh, acid. Um, salicyl säure, it's called in German, um, which um, is like aspirin. So you never get a hangover? Not really. Right. <laughs> Not really. Or your hangover is cured yes. while you're while you're. You have to be careful using using these herbs uh. because they do have a, a, a they do have a they are a drug, and they they work on you. So if you are allergic to a certain herb, you can't use it. So you have to be very careful in using these herbs. So most really you just use these herbs, but also uses in the kitchen, because some herbs can also be poisonous. Be, of course, <laughs> you should know what you're foraging. Uh, yes, but foraging is my is like my my favorite. So you've been here a long time. Quite, it's it's my second home. And have you seen it change since yes. the time you started? Um, well, the main idea has always been been the same, because the main heart, the main idea is the, still the same as it was nineteen uh, eighty nine. Which was which was Mr. Kirchner. The idea of Mr. Kirchner of uh, having a a good classic cocktail bar and he orientated himself uh, towards the Schumanns in Munich that was like was his idea his uh, um, guideline more or less but of course he also put in his own interpretations uh, that is that's the main the place has stayed the same we haven't as you look you look around nothing has really changed we will like 20, 29 years. Uh, we've been on the market. Next year was 30 years, which is quite a, it's a good time for a bar. And it's not easy to, to keep a bar running at the same standard. It's easy to, put, to make standards, to set standards, but it's hard to keep them, especially if they're high standards. You have to be able to, to represent these standards and keep them or the guests are disappointed with you. But... Uh, of course, we've uh, moderated a couple of cocktails. We've we've changed a few cocktails. We've uh, changed our menu, put new cocktails in. We do um, 
voll, we are schon reasonably up to date. We look what is going at the moment, what has to be, what is the state of the art at the moment. We also have to represent this, but we have to keep our own face, we have to keep our own character. So it's like, it's a, it's a, it's a, you always have to decide, is this a trend we take on, um, is this going to be a long trend or is this just a, a short you know, a trend which only hangs around a couple, two, three years. Have you seen a change in the clientele? Uh, we've always had um, a good mixture of clientele, which is students. We always have enough students around here. But we have uh, a lot of freelancers, computer people. We have academic people, like, yes, um, doctors, uh, juror. Um, lawyers, solicitors. Do you think they're more um, cocktail savvy now? Smarter? Yes, much more, much more. You have to be nowadays. You really have to be careful. Your guest often knows more than, than you do about a certain spirit, drink, whatever, and that certainly wasn't that like that um, beginning uh, beginning of this century. In the beginning of the century, the people were pretty. They didn't really know much about cocktails, but nowadays you have the people sitting at the bar, they're looking, they're really scrutinizing you, checking up, how is she working, you know, she's just, oh, she's taking three dashes instead of two, you know, you have, really have to be work, uh, really, uh, you have to know what you're doing, certainly know what you're doing, and also bring in your new ideas, like shrubs we're doing at the moment. Um, make, we make our own cocktail cherries and uh, of course cocktail cherries have to be perfect and you always have a couple of cherries which aren't perfect so I make a shrub out of these cherries so it's like a, a shrub is a, a vinegar syrup you hardly know it in Germany people mm -hmm. don't really know what a shrub is but uh, slowly but surely it's like this is a new thing coming upon in the bars and uh, yes people want to know see you using fresh things homemade things uh, because that is what makes you individual. Nobody else can make your own syrup, no, for example. You know? Well, all this chat, I'm getting thirsty. Yes. Should we go make a drink? Yeah, sure. <laughs> go on. I thank Ziggy for taking the time between her very popular cocktail-making classes and evening service to have a chat. Watching the smiles on everyone's faces after the class, I couldn't wait to try one of her favorites. Which brings us to our Cocktail of the Week. Directly from the Gelbus House is our Cocktail of the Week, the Schorsch, the Franconian nickname for George. Google Franconian if you want to know more. Start by crushing five cloves and then adding them to a shaker. Then four mint leaves, slightly crushed as well. Then the following ingredients. Five CLs of pear schnapps. 2.5 cl's of lemon juice and 2.5 cl's of orgeat syrup. Add ice and give it a hard shake and then fine strain it into a chilled cocktail coupette. You'll find this recipe and all the cocktails of the week on alushlifemanual.com where you'll find all the ingredients in our shop. If you're planning a trip to Nuremberg, please check out my post on all the things to do in Nuremberg when you're not at Gelbus House on my sister site, bestbitsworldwide.com. Next week, we bring you back to London to meet a woman who is focusing on the art of the cocktail. 
Her designs have been seen far and wide, and now bars are inviting her to draw their pints, literally. Until next time, bottoms up. Thanks for listening to the Lush Life Podcast, the sister of A Lush Life Manual. For more information and links to everything you heard, plus a bit more, please visit alushlifemanual.com. Always remember the wise words of Oscar Wilde, all things in moderation, including moderation. And always drink responsibly. Okay, I said that last part. Theme music is by Stephen Shapiro and used with permission. Lush Life is produced by Evo Terra, and I'm your hostess, Susan Schwartz. I'll see you at the bar.